0: Merci.
1: Good evening everyone. Welcome to the evening service at Grace Baptist Chapel. We're glad you're here. We had uh, a great blessing this morning to have Jesse Johns uh, preach for us in Ryan's absence. And tonight, equally so, we have Andy uh, preaching for us as well, bringing us God's Word. So let's uh, be preparing our hearts and minds as we enter into worship uh, this evening. hope everyone's doing well and having a great Lord's Day. Uh, Let's go ahead and stand and... um, receive God's call of worship to us through the book of Psalms, Psalm 117. Hear this, the word of God, as we begin our worship. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, we do praise you this afternoon on this Lord's Day. We give you thanks for how you have loved us so well. Lord, we thank you for how you have given us such great uh, mercy and grace. Lord, we just focus on what you did for us in Genesis. We think about Genesis 3 when we rebelled against you so openly and so aggressively, Lord, and how you called out to us in Genesis 3-9 asking where Adam was. Lord, we know you knew where he was, but the fact that you did not turn away from us and abandon us in that moment is just a testament to your great love for us. And Lord, after you uh, took care of us in Genesis 21, after we had rebelled and after you had called out the serpent and and Adam and Eve as well, Lord, and, and voiced your gospel for the first time of the one who would come, Lord, you, instead of leaving Adam and Eve to their own devices, instead of turning them over to the serpent, instead of turning them over to themselves, Lord, you clad them with animal skin. A great picture of the sacrifice that would come. The sacrifice of the one, your only son, who would come and die for us, all who repent and believe in him. Lord, we give you great thanks for your gospel. We give you great thanks to your mercy to us in Christ. We give you praise this evening for that and for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Please uh, grab your bulletins now and let's sing How Great Thou Art to this Great God.
2: open your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Psalms, or the book of these Psalms, Psalm number 139. Let's pray and ask God's blessing upon his word. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You truly are great and majestic, the creator of heaven and earth, the sustainer of all things that you have made all of your being, Father, is holy and righteous and good, and all of your ways are holy and good. And we pray tonight that as we think upon your word for the next few minutes, that we would most of all remember the truth of who you are, but that we would also consider who we are, and the condition and order of our own standing and our own status before you, our maker. And so we ask for the blessing of your Holy Spirit to apply your word and to teach us and to bear fruit, Father, through your word according to your gracious purposes in Christ. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. It was the former uh, Presbyterian pastor of Scotland by the name of John Milne, who, upon one of his times of home visitation, he had a conversation with a young girl. This young girl evidently was concerned about her soul and and her salvation and wanted to know Christ. And so the counsel that this pastor gave to her was two things. He said, I want you to begin to pray for two things. I want you to ask God to show you who you are. And then you need to ask God to show you who He is. And in the process of time, and not far-reaching time, very near future, this young girl came to faith in Christ, understanding who she was before God in need of a Savior, and an understanding who God was and is the great Savior of sinners, through Christ. We come to Psalm 139, and we see this same contrast, a contrast between the lost and the saved, the believer and the unbeliever. Now, what's prominent in the the psalm is the confession of a believer confession of a man whose heart had been regenerated, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, King David. And he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so we have not only his confession to God, but also what we have before us in this psalm, is God's revelation of himself to us. But in so doing, in the process of this prayer... And of this confession, we also see implied in it, maybe not intentionally, but we see implied in it, the opposite of what we find in Psalm 139, because the natural man, the man who is lost in their sins, the person who is in bondage to sin, and is blind to the things of God, and does not seek God, does not want to find God, has no interest in God or in his word or in his law or in his gospel. That the unconverted person runs from God and is an enemy of God and the last thing that he or she wants to do is to be confronted by the one true enemy, God. And yet what do we find from the pen of David? we find a confession of the very nature of God, and within that confession, he says, search me. Search me and try my heart. And it's not just a statement that's made in a vacuum. It's not just something that comes to the top of his head one day while he's praying, but he is thinking about the transcendent, majestic character of who God is that leads him into this prayer for God to search him. So let's read this psalm tonight and then and take a look at it and walk through it together. And this is the word of God. O Lord, you have searched me and known me You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. And there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. The Psalms, as a whole, are a divinely inspired and providentially gathered series of songs or Psalms, as we know them. They are not chronologically collected or ordered. In other words, Psalm 1 was not the first, probably not the first Psalm ever written. And Psalm 150 was not the last Psalm that was written, or not chronologically ordered for us. There is a good argument that the Psalms were very early collected and divided into five books or five sections. And there is some grammatical foundation for this. Let me just briefly go through these five sections of these five divided books as some refer to them. The first section of the first book being chapters 1 through 41. We turn to chapter 41 of Psalm and look at the end of Psalm 41. We read these words in verse 13. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. And in my Bible, whoever published my Bible, begins Psalm 42 with the title Book 2. But we end Psalm 1, or the writer ends Psalm 1 with blessing the Lord from everlasting to everlasting. Book 2 runs from chapter 42 through chapter 72. And at the end of chapter 72 we read very similar words that we had at the end of chapter 41. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only does wondrous things, and blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. It is a call to bless God eternally for who he is. Book 3 runs from chapter 73 to chapter 89. In the very last verse in chapter 89, again, we read a very similar blessing, a very similar benediction if you want to use that word. At the end of Psalm 89, we read these words. In verse 52, Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. Again, a blessing to the name of the Lord. And then book four, from chapter 90, from chapter 106, and not to be too repetitive, but at the end of Psalm 106, we have the same type of grammatical closure to that portion Of this fourth section in Psalm 106, the psalmist closes that psalm with these words. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. And then something very interesting happens in the fifth section, which begins in Psalm 107. And continues through Psalm 150. The last five chapters of the book of Psalms, chapters 146 through 150, are all about blessing and praising the name of the Lord. Each of those five chapters begin and end with the same phrase. Praise the Lord at the beginning and praise the Lord at the end. In the last five chapters. And when we get to Psalm 150. If you remember. What does the psalmist tell us in Psalm 150. What is penned for us in Psalm 150. But in every verse. There is praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That all creatures praise the Lord. So we do have some grammatical grounds. For saying that the, the psalms are divided into these Different sections and the commentators differ on what is the emphasis of these sections, but it does give us an understanding that whoever compiled and ordered the Psalms did so for a reason. We find ourselves, our Psalms, not just haphazardly thrown together, but they are ordered for us in a particular manner. They consist of Psalms of praise of lament, of confession. There are psalms of repentance, of wonder, and worship, of adoration. There are psalms that are doctrinal and deeply theological. There are psalms even of imprecation. Those psalms and prayers that pray for judgment to happen upon God's enemies and the enemies of God's people. And there are the Messianic Psalms, the Psalms that directly point to Christ as our Messiah and the coming Messiah. They consist of remembrances of God's mighty works, His works of creation and of His salvation, the works of His deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt, the works of God and His care for them throughout the centuries. His works of mercy and his works of justice. The Psalms are deeply theological. And as a result of that, they are immensely practical, as we will see in just a moment. The Psalms are composed by various writers as we narrow down our focus a little bit to Psalm 139. They're composed by various writers. From Moses to Asaph, the sons of Koran, Heman, Ethan, Solomon, and of course David, who wrote almost half of the Psalms. There are Psalms written during the time of Moses, as was just stated, but there were Psalms written during the kingdom of David, during the monarchy of Israel. There are Psalms written during the captivity period, such as Psalm 137 which was written while Israel was in captivity to the Babylonians. And there's even There are even psalms written of the returning captives. Psalm 126 is an example of that, where the psalmist seems to be writing as one who has returned from captivity. And there is a, there's a joy and a gladness in Psalm 126, as you read through it, just the rejoicing of God's people returning to the land of Zion. But think about that for just a moment. That from the time of Moses to the time of the returning of the Israelites to Zion from captivity it was a period of over a thousand years. And what we have in these 150 books is a compilation of psalms, worship songs. Psalms and adoration to the God of Israel that covered over a thousand years of time. And thinking about that, I thought to myself was there anything significant that happened in the year 1021? Because we don't think in those length of times normally. Now, there's a lot that happened between the years 1021 and 2021. There's a lot of events that happened during those years. But I actually did a Google search of what, what interesting events happened in the year 1021.